everyone, Matt here, and welcome to the Inhumans podcast by Fantastic Geek. Well, here we are, fresh from having seen the Inhumans in IMAX, and much like this presentation of Inhumans is a little bit different, so is today's podcast. Most of this was recorded immediately after we saw the movie. Indeed, we're calling this Dinner with the Inhumans, uh, and this was recorded before we uh, sat down and grabbed some grub. Uh, so that's about the first half of the podcast. The second half uh, was recorded in a slightly uh, quieter confine, that of my car, before Pete and I uh, went our separate ways. Bottom line is, the audio for this might not be our normal, super high quality, but hopefully the conversation is just as thrilling, just as interesting, just as thought-provoking. And of course, I'm not alone in this venture. Joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hey everybody, here today to bring you our thoughts about the Inhumans in IMAX, which we have gotten out of moments ago. This is going to be a a fantastic geek dinner with the Inhumans. Indeed, we are waiting to be seated, Uh, so hopefully the echo is, uh, as I just said, off mic, Pete. Hopefully it's adding to the earthy earthy goodness. So, uh, Pete, the first thing that we heard... As we were walking out of the theater, no joke is what a piece of S. So with that in mind, how are we approaching this as a podcast effort? Like, what, what, for, for new listeners, for old listeners, what's our philosophy? Let, let, let's talk some ground rules. One of the things that has distinguished us, um, that we really feel is a part of our brand, is honesty. Uh, brutal at times, but needs to be there. At the same time, you want to try to be kind, and you want to try to see the value in uh, what we just watched. So, taking those comments again, as, as we're listening to people leave, you know, after the, the one guy cursed, one of his buddies is like, yeah, uh, guest starring Lockjaw and Medusa's hair. And then the other guy goes, yeah, you know, the, the actors weren't as bad as I thought they were going to be, but boy, were those costumes awful. Um, so we're going we're gonna to take you through parts one and two, which we watched uh, in Toto, and um, ahead of the premiere on uh, Friday, September 29th, of what will be uh, a longer version. We, we paid for a, a shorter version tonight. Uh, th- this will be our review, and then we will do it normal, fantastic geek style uh, when that those episodes air. Yeah, I think this uh, dinner with the Inhumans format actually suits us well. We're kind of doing it a little, a little more in the raw as we are ahead of uh, yeah, and then as you said, we'll we'll kind of go back and properly do it. So, Pete, the I don't know where you want to start. Let's start with this. Let's start by saying we are going to be talking extensively about the, about the episode, so if you want to avoid spoilers, hit pause, come on back later on, hopefully after you've, after you've seen the episode yourself, the movie yourself. Um, let's start with the IMAX effect. Uh, how, did, how did this scale up for you, as a, you know, whether it's the first, the first chase scene there? Or how, how did this work for IMAX for you? Um, let's put it this way. IMAX is making this possible. That's the beginning and the ending, because all you are going to get out of it when you view it in IMAX is extreme close-ups of ordinary objects and really loud sound. There was one effect I would say was, was really good, and that was uh, 
kind of a vibration and a, and a stomp at the same time. Everything else was just, hey, let's, let's shoot it really, really close and slow and make it really loud. Yeah, there was nothing gained from the IMAX experience, aside from the fact that IMAX paid for the whole thing. Uh, although not our ticket, they paid for the production. Um, I will say something nice now. From preview after preview, it looked... Uh, the, the stuff on uh, Adelan looked cheap. The sets looked cheap, etc. Uh, visiting those scenes, like the dinner scene, uh, ironic as we're about to have, have our dinner in a little bit, uh, somehow they shot it in a way where, you know, through the magic of TV and film, what was a set was transformed into a believable uh, executive royal dining room um, and so forth. So I didn't, I didn't get any of that from the uh, from the sets, nor from most of the costumes, save the Phase One costume of Medusa. Side note: like the Phase Two Welcome to Earth uh, costume better. I think her costumes are, you know, really kind of monochromatic, and they they drew me away from her character. Once she loses the wig, um, Serinda Swan seems to kind of. Uh, have a face for the rest of what we've viewed so far. Uh, and obviously the, the character is under duress, so okay, that's acting. Um, the, the wig and the hair effect did improve from what we had seen um, throughout production. I do have to give them kudos for that. Um, I never really had that big of a problem with the sets with what we're seeing. I know one thing they were talking about on the press junket was this is not meant to be viewed on your smartphone. Okay, well we've seen the, the IMAX parts and everything from here on out can be viewed apparently on a smartphone because that's how people consume stuff now or on your iPad or on your laptop or on your 60 inch flat screen or whatever, um, but it is what it is. So let's talk about the opening scene. Um, I guess good news, we got Triton. We also got um, the lady character. Um, <laughs> a woman who has just turned into a human whose power is apparently cat eyes and predator vision. Um, look, it's a catch-22 that that scene needs to open with a, with a exposition dump. It needs to open with this kind of lengthy explanation albeit quickly, of what Inhumans are and Terragenesis and it's just changed and things of that sort. Um, I want to criticize it because I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I know all those details. To be fair, this narrative needs that explanation. It was ham-handed as, as could be. That said, so many times in TV and film they do that. So maybe I take off half a point but not a full point. I agree with you aspect that here they had to introduce the idea of the humans, but there is an entire group of viewers who watch Agency Shield who are already familiar with that. So it was essentially recap, exposition, in the midst of what's supposed to be a, a scene that pulls you in. And I, I did not feel pulled in with close-up of Big Gun. And barrel of gun against gigantic leaf with water droplets on it. I, I mean, again, it's, it's an attempt 
I, I think the biggest issue with what we saw tonight is writing. Yeah, I mean, as we have said for much of the for, yeah for much of the Iron Fist podcast, as we have revised our view of Iron Fist now that Scott Buck is no longer a part of it, uh, showrunner of Iron Fist, showrunner of Inhumans, and I believe writer of this episode, we had at least had a co-writing credit, if not the, the sole writing credit. You know, I mean, if it's not the writing, then it's the show running. I mean, the directing, I suppose, was okay. Side note, Pete, and maybe this is just me, did you notice that sometimes the focus would be pulled strangely? Like, especially some of the, the rotating shots where you're on Maximus, then you move to Crystal. And, you know, I, there's a, I, Maximus is five feet back, Crystal is four feet back, and they shift the focus to Crystal. And there's just a split second where she, not even in the transition, where she would just be out of focus as the camera continues to move. I didn't have a problem with the camera setups or anything of that nature. I know Roel Rini, right? Uh, Iwan Rion, I believe. No, it's the, um, the director. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, you know, much had been made that shooting on the cameras and stuff like that. I, I was fine with the way it was shot. It was the ideas being expressed. It was the way they were being expressed. There's a scene, there's two scenes. It's essentially the same scene. It's just you know, cut into two um, in this. I believe they're in the second part because we don't have a demarcation of when the parts are other than to look at our watches. And um, it's basically a scene of Gorgon talking to several surfers on the beach about the trouble that he's in. And... The acting was fine, even though you've got local extras who, you know, seem at times a, a little over the top. It's the writing of it. It's oh, you're you're gonna go and you're, you're gonna take care of these guys and, and you're gonna you're gonna do your thing, man. Yeah, I think there's a series of there's strange narrative choices throughout. Um, Take, for example, the presentation of Black Bolt. I dig that, you know, I dig the whole, the whole conceit of him uh, not speaking because of the power of his voice that can topple a mountain and whatnot. Um, and Anson Mount is certainly a very capable, uh, charismatic uh, actor. That said, there were some moments where he's acting with his eyes and he's showing emotion through his eyes where, you know, there is a director on set to say, let's tone down the eye thing a little bit because you're burning a hole through the, the digital film here, and it doesn't need to be, you know, you don't need to carry this, we can do it with the way other characters are responding, or just, you know, just dial back a bit. Um, if they didn't ask him to dial back a bit, that's the fault of the director. If they had other shots of him dialed back and they chose to go with this one, that's the fault of the director or the editor or the, or the producer, We're back to Scott Buck again. Um, so, so, yeah, and that's, uh, Pete, I'll follow it up with something nice again. I'm going to keep it, keep it even here. Uh, I thought that the, the exteriors of Adelan looked, uh, looked better than I had expected as well. I think some of the wide shots were maybe through some public building in Honolulu, whether it's Town Hall or something like that, that I think I spied in the background at one point standing in for you know, the, the, the great uh, 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 mid-century uh, concrete style of, uh, of architecture there, but 
Adeline came off well. In fact, better than Hawaii, which at one point early on, when uh, Triton jumps off the uh, the waterfall, that looked downright horrendous yeah, on the big yeah. IMAX screen. I'd rather watch that on my phone. Where the mistakes to the hair getting better. What did not get better was the strangely uh, moving shadow and uh, placement of a waterfall slash river uh, that changed throughout <laughs> the scene and throughout the rest of the episode as it's glimpsed a couple times. Uh, following up on what you were saying before, I think that Anson Mount was was largely pretty good in you know a dialogueless role. We see some flashback stuff uh, that I think totally grabbed us and pulled us out of the moment there a little bit. Um, it's, it's loaded with pathos, but I think it played wrong, which again comes down to writing, the placement of images. Where are we going to put these images? Somebody writes it on a page, and it's going to flicker on your screen, and that was poorly juxtaposed with where it occurred. Um, so much too, I feel like so much has, has been laid at the feet of this wig, which <laughs> goes away, <laughs> um, that uh, the, the second most talked about thing was this expansive hand signal vocabulary that Anson Mount has created. Yes, yes. And Matt, I said it to you, I leaned over to you as we were watching it, he used the same symbol twice within like six words and um, it didn't feel all that expansive it basically felt like I'm going to do things with my hand and the redheaded lady is going to say things uh, regarding the, the two moments where we were taken out let me preface this by saying we in no way went in there with an axe to grind in fact I'll do you one better I, I, and I said this to you Pete right as the movie was starting Sometimes I feel like there, there's pressure on some of these MCU movies, and other movies certainly, where it's like, oh man, will, will this live up to my expectations? We've been waiting for Thanos to come so long, can that do justice? I said to you as the movie was starting, you know, the reviews for this thus far are not great, but also are largely not in yet. I think that one IGN interview jumped the, uh, jumped the, uh, the block, that Marvel, the embargo that Margot had, uh, Margo, that Marvel had put up. Um, the moment where you see Black Bolt, you get the Black Bolt flashback, and he speaks and splatters his parents all over the uh, the concrete wall, and then the scene where, and I dare say, with no sense of humor here, a very kind of oddly sexual scene in which Maximus is uh, shaving off Medusa's head. Both of them, you and I, had a fit of the giggles. Uh, that's not what you're supposed to be feeling there. You're supposed to be feeling concern for the fact that he has, has this awful, terrible gift and the fact that she is being being brutalized and having her powers taken away. And we were just, I was stifling my laughter, and I don't know if other people in the theater were laughing, in part because there were so few. There probably were about 20 in the theater that seats about 200 to 250. Yeah, the haircut scene stands out for a couple of reasons. You said it to me as we were watching it. Why wouldn't you use space clippers instead of normal clippers? And then... That took me out, not to interrupt you, that took me out of the scene. And I think it's a fair point. Like, you all you need a is a little device. light. Yeah. yeah, make it a little blue light that goes yeah. over... You, you just stunned her. Apparently blue light slows her down and she can no longer use the hair. 
I guess. And if you're going to use electric clippers, do what other shows and movies do, which is show, my goodness, they are actually cutting this person's hair for yeah. real. Yeah. That, you know, that, that takes away from it. All right, Pete, we are in slightly better audio uh, circumstances here. We've had our, our nummies. We've had our dinner. We're still having dinner with the Inhumans, though. And uh, I think you were going to start to talk a little bit about Crystal. Yeah, Isabel Cornish is clearly the lower end as far as the performances go. Um, there's one particular scene where it calls for her to be emotional, and it's not good. Um, that being said, I found the performances largely up to par, something I was concerned about going in. Um, I'm still a little confused as much of the press was during the junket over what Karnak's powers are, other than apparently uh, being a meme of someone doing mathematical calculations and trying to figure out stuff. Here's the concern about Karnak. The first time he uses his powers, it's made very, very clear. He kind of has some sort of, uh, you know, time teleportation type thing where he can see... Teleportation is made. the dog, though. That's well, Lockjaw. Some sort of time-shifting, going back, redo, see it from all the angles type thing. I didn't fully understand it, but I said, okay, that's a cool power. Then the second time it happens, he has GPS, <laughs> and it doesn't work. Uh, it's maybe worse than that. Um, it takes you out of a scene that he's in. You're referring to later in the the first two episodes where it's malfunctioning. There's a, there's another time when it's unclear, like, all right, what are these dotted lines now? And seriously, mm. he is, he's a meme waiting to happen, uh, which, which he, he's already a meme. They, they just took the meme and they made a character out of it. And yeah, he goes to the comics, but the way it's presented is pretty confusing. Lockjaw's, I found great. I know you had some issues with it. Uh, who doesn't love a cute dog? They play around with the conventions, even though anybody in the theater there knows it's this giant 500-pound dog. Oh, we're going to play around with perspective here. And it's running to Crystal. Oh, this dog's it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh, it's massive, you know. Um, I think they downplayed some of the strangeness of it from the way it's drawn in the comics with the really prominent... Uh, almost looks like he's wearing a mustache with the jowls and with the, you know, the little symbol on the, on the bridge of his nose. Um, but he, he really worked for me. You know, I'm a dog person. That's, that's how that goes. Uh, the introduction of Lockjaw was perhaps the most, uh, heartfelt, amusing, effervescent, well-directed, whimsical moment of the entire two-episode block, um, my only concern about Lockjaw, I felt effects-wise, he didn't quite have the weight. And I, maybe it's just because I'm, I'm slightly high on Game of Thrones, as we all are. Uh, I'm reminded of one of the featurettes uh, where they discussed getting um, the large actor Ian White to play the giant, uh, what's it, 1-1? One, one, yeah. um, and how it was important to get a guy who was 7 feet tall because he would have the right weight, even when you're putting him in makeup and costume and padding and then scaling him up to 15 feet or whatever. So to me, the, Lockjaw, amusing character, great character, fun on screen. There was just something that wasn't, you know, it, it was kind of kind of 
uh, two plus two equal three in terms of the execution um, effects wise, just a little bit. Let's talk, by the way, Pete, about these two parts. So these two parts comprised the IMAX movie. These two parts also are comprising the opening night presentation, um, which is to say these two episodes with actually more footage uh, will appear uh, on ABC on the premiere night, September 29th. And I don't quite understand the logic behind that. We paid for something tonight and I'm fine paying for it, but I think when you pay for something, it's there that you should get a little bit extra as opposed to when it airs that they're going to give more there. And that strategy seems really confusing to me. Judging by what I can only anticipate will be a disappointing money losing box office venture for this. Um, I agree. I think, I mean, I, I had sincerely suggested to you when I heard that we are getting eight, nine, 10 minutes more on ABC for free. I had said, suggested, do we even go see this? And Pete, thank goodness you said, <laughs> we we go see MCU stuff. That's what we do. We have to. We have to. That's, you know, we, we take the mostly good. We take the sometimes great. We take the occasional misfires. We see it all. I mean, the pace of this, it it moves. Mm -hmm. it, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't draw out. Um, you know, I was checking my watch merely to see okay where are we in the context of how much time has passed are we in that second episode yet are we in that first episode as far as doing that um the act breaks weren't you know i i definitely didn't count 10 to 12 act breaks so it's going to be interesting to see where they cut some of that um if they cut some of that if they're going to be showing you know the the two hours air quotes um you know uh concurrently um when it when it hits at the end of september um but yeah you know what happens in that time again goes back to the page and i think this was rushed there's no other way to look at it than that it was rushed heaven uh you know forbid they didn't have the time to fix the um fx issues which i would say you know this is about a seven and a half out of ten as far as tv fx if we're going to count like an agents of shield or you know a, a game of thrones or something that's at the tippity top getting it done in in a quick turnaround um you know again they they fixed the hair but you know there were other things that stood out to this this two episodes presented as one there's the super strange, I would even say outright mistake, uh, in that the second half, and I'm sure it's going to be in the second hour when it airs, you kind of have this previously on the Inhumans type moment where it's like, we, five minutes ago we just saw, saw Karnak get uh, sent to Earth, and we saw a number of the other characters get sent to Earth. Karnak sticks with me for whatever reason. We saw it five minutes ago. Then there's the climax of the first half, the uh, showdown between Maximus and Black Bolt, then we see montage of characters thinking, remembering, the, the visuals show us what happened all the way back last episode. But last episode was five minutes ago. <laughs> and we see Karnak thinking about how he was uh, sent to Earth. 
didn't they know that the IMAX release was going to be as one whole piece, and you don't need that as a flashback to remind you what happened last episode or last week. Furthermore, at what point was the decision made to release the two episodes as one on ABC as well? Which means, dear listeners, if you are not watching this at the movies, and you're going to watch this on ABC, you can look forward to, at the 8 o'clock hour, the introduction of the characters, the setting, the situation, the initial problems, surprise, surprise, many of them get sent to Earth, and then the hour will strike nine o'clock and oh man what will happen next to our heroes and they're all gonna have a flashback to five minutes ago (laughs) maybe it'll be seven because of a commercial break why why did they not go back and re-edit this i feel like the whole effort was not very well coordinated and that comes across when you watch it Um, it almost felt like a take the money and run like imax is willing to 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 give us money up front to do two-eighths of this thing. This thing is of the right size from what ABC wants, what the new ABC leadership wants, and so on and so forth. Hey, let's just take the money and go. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not funny. It's intentional. I think that you mentioned Game of Thrones a little earlier because that was uh, really the template for this. We're going to do that with one of Marvel's properties. We're going to take the bad guy they just killed off from Game of Thrones and put him on here in what is largely a, a good casting with uh, Ewan Rowan. Um, but I think having just watched, rewatched the first two episodes of uh, Game of Thrones last night, which uh, had legendary issues mm-hmm. in coming to TV. And for those not familiar, legendary negative issues, yes. 90% of the super expensive pilot was put in the garbage and reshot, yes. which I have to say, I've, I've gone back and rewatched it before, but having just finished the seventh season and, and wanting to go back and kind of just get a glimpse of, all right, how far have we come? Um, not only has the series progressed tremendously to, you know, pretty much bar none, the best thing on TV, but, um, you know, there are moments in the pilot that you kind of cringe at. And, okay, if anything, that offers a silver lining here. This is where they're beginning. This is, you know, where we start from. Can it get better? I I have to hope that it can get better. I don't know if it could get a lot worse. We were asked to give a number out of 10, Matt. What's our number? Uh, indeed, our pal Shmahu all the way there. I believe in Melbourne. I know in Australia. Uh, while we were uh, in between the two halves of this podcast, while we were enjoying our, our dinner, uh, he asked for a number. You said four. I said, he wants a number for the thing. You said four. I said, Pete, he wants to know what the number is. <laughs> then it occurred to me you were giving the number. So four out of ten. I feel like the characters have left me with more than four out of ten, but the execution has to pull it back down to that number. And I would say that's a that's a fair assessment. But for a thousand little reasons, which come back to how the show was run as a production, which to me is a showrunner issue. Uh, I think of Gorgon and how he has <clears throat> has these hooved feet. That's pretty novel. Uh, there are some wide shots where you can kind of tell it's. Him Big in socks. boots, like, yeah, like him in him in in hoof boots yeah. that have maybe about I don't know a foot up past the heel, have a makeup thing in his boot or his leg that kind of sticks out backward to kind of right. be be that. 
And okay, that's interesting Interesting enough. Then I think of what we've seen so far. We'll see about the execution, but we've seen so far in Star Trek Discovery where Doug Jones is playing a hooved character and there's a whole balance system where he's on tippy toes. You know, he's literally pushed up. It's not a fake bulge in the back of his leg to be the back backwards slant of a, of a of a hoof leg. Stuff like that where you say... And look, if, if the costume isn't going to work, fine. Who decided to include that wide shot on IMAX, of all places? Yeah. Um, this was not the project to, to try this with. Um, credit to them for making the attempt. Um, I think they've seen what they have with Scott Buck. I think they had a hole between Iron Fist and, and getting this to it and maybe he was the most available and credible but it ain't working and it's time man it's time it's business it's never personal but he has delivered the two worst outings that we've seen thus far when it comes to marvel tv and it's time to move on you think of how uh Currently, all of Marvel TV, with the exception of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and now Inhumans, it's all uh, Netflix, all asterisk. I know that there's some, you know, there's kind of the Legion stuff, but again, MCU TV, how about instead of Marvel TV? Um, the Netflix schedule allows for, you know, well, we didn't give you a date until we give you a date. So it allows for some of that flexibility. If you start to get early footage back and you go, this isn't working, you can go back and you can do whatever it is that you need to do. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. under a slightly different situation because they have, you know, broadcast, uh, a broadcast schedule to adhere to. That said, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. hides some of its sins with multiple storylines, fast cuts, intercutting in between. Uh, And not to say, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is appreciably less than we make it out to be. I'm just saying when you go at a certain pace and you go, I I didn't have time to think about how... uh, you, you know, there should have been a back door to the place because you quick and took me too. Oh, there's somebody else's trapped by a fire. That's just narrative, you know, n- narrative sleight of hand. It's all sleight of hand. It's all made up. And this just kind of, you don't have the time because you had to hit today. You had to hit today and September 1st tomorrow to do this release or else. There was no pushing it back. There was no this, that, or the other. This was locked in beyond stone. This is what IMAX bought. You know, if, if we want to talk about a crystallizing moment, um, we're watching, and it, it's heavily in the promotions, uh, Black Bolt gets caught by the police in Honolulu, and you have a man who is surrendering to them that they get rough with. Which to me was incomprehensible. Now, just to, for those who have not, uh, have not watched, just to put the scene in context... Uh, initially he was, I I would say, broadly resistant. You know, he kind of was trying to run away from them, and then, I don't know if he had used his voice, yeah, he'd used his voice at a certain point, and the the one cop car had gone flying. But there's a certain point where they're using their batons, they beat him to the ground, his hands are up, he's on the ground face down, and there's slow motion of baton, and I'm seeing Pete Rodney King here, I mean, not not to treat that insensitively, but it's a guy who's down getting beaten. Then, but, but at the very least, you could say, well, this is a super-powered person. You know, do we uh, 100% apply the rules of our world to somebody who has just blown a cop car with his voice? Fine. Then you cut to slow motion of cop delivering multiple kicks to his gut. And I'm saying, 
I think shows in Hawaii receive a tax credit. Can you imagine? I, I don't know what the record of the Honolulu PD is. Let's let's hope that it is clean and is fair and is without discrimination. Can you imagine? Even regardless, though, can you imagine being a taxpayer in Hawaii, knowing yeah. that some of your tax money has gone to this as a project, which is my assumption. Not I don't know it for sure. And you're seeing on screen Honolulu PD beating a man who has given up. Yeah, it's it's really a baffling decision. Um, and then there's a strangely intercut sequence of a fight. And uh, it's not even a police interrogation. It's trying to figure out what are we going to do with Black Bolt, who has picked his handcuffs. No, he's he's cooperating. He's cooperating. We're not going to tase him again. He just wants us to take his picture and bring him a lockup. He's going peacefully, so we won't do it. Like, they, they err too far on the other side there. There's no yeah. consistency with it. I'll, I'll say this in closing. Stay all the way through the credits because there's a scene after the credits. Um, true to form with a, with a Marvel property, especially one that airs, you know, in, in a movie theater. Uh, so stick around with that. But um, Pete, I, I can see into the future on September 29th. What <laughs> they're going to do is uh, that's going to be the scene, you know, e- either maybe the credits play under or it'll just be the, you know, more Marvel after this. Um, I liked what you said as we were leaving the theater, <laughs> which was what coming up more Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, yeah. As that scene wraps up. Um, which we won't spoil for you. Uh, by the way, somebody did say, oh, look, I told you nobody ever dies. Uh, somebody in the theater <laughs> said. But yeah, as soon as that scene ends is when you can hear, coming up, a new Shark Tank. What can you do with 10,000 ping pong balls? So, Pete, we've gone, we've seen. If people want to share their thoughts about Inhumans, uh, how can they do so? You can send uh, I told you so's or uh, hate mail, <laughs> hate tweets to me on Twitter at uh, Peter, uh, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,430 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you want. We are Fantastic Geek, Fantastic with the P and the H, FantasticGeek.com, Fantastic Geek Gmail, Fantastic Geek on Twitter and Instagram as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Add yourself to the legion of people liking us on Facebook. For those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back tomorrow to talk more Defenders. If you're listening to us on the Inhumans feed, we will be back, I guess, uh, the, that, that weekend, September 29th, September 30th, somewhere in there. I would say maybe, probably in the interim, just to see okay, we'll check know, in. How, this, how this box office shakes out. Are there repercussions as a result of it? Um, I, I, I think we'll give you a little something before, you know, we, we do these episodes proper. You know, as I left the house at, at 6 PM or so to, to go see this, um, Hollywood reporter and deadline had yet to publish their reviews. I, I don't know how severe the embargo was, but literally you could not find professional, uh, reviews, at least on those two sites. So that's something else we can cover as well. What did the, what did those critics say? Did they agree with Matt and Pete, or did they uh, agree with, uh, I don't know, some of the other people who are already loudly proclaiming this is a, a home run? 
Yeah, because uh, we're not subject to any embargo, so enjoy what uh, we've we've been able to tell you here. Well, Pete, I will say aloha. See how it takes place in Hawaii. <laughs> I will say aloha to all our listeners and give you the final Inhumans IMAX IMAX release IMAX word. Oh, I, I will translate. Pete is uh, using uh, Black Bolt hand signals to say thank you one and all for listening and we appreciate your uh, listenership and we will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>